Welcome to Fresh Takes on the Future of Work. We are focused on fresh perspectives from business and HR leaders about the future of work. FRESH is an acronym for freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness. Values core to operating in the future of work. We'll tie back to these while exploring interesting stories and actionable ideas. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jess Pagoni, co-founder and CEO of Luna. We are a technology platform that helps leaders attract and retain top talent by offering scalable flexibility and choice to employees. Our guest today is Ashima Sharma. Ashima is the founder and CEO of Dreamy, a mentorship platform that makes mentorship opportunities more accessible for underrepresented employees. She works with DEI and HR leaders to make mentorship programs easy and scalable. Ashima, thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Jess. I'm so excited. Um, Before we jump into our questions today, can you tell us a little bit more about Dreamy? Absolutely. So Dreamy is actually formed from a pain point that I faced in my career. I start off my career as an engineer, and I remember feeling so distinctly how isolated and alone and unsupported I felt. And I definitely felt like an only, being the only female engineer in the field, being the only person of color on my team. So Dreamy is essentially, the hypothesis is to use the power of technology to make mentorship, sponsorship, and coaching more equitable and more accessible. We use the power of technology to onboard, train, scale, and track mentorship programs. And it's been amazing to see what mentorship has been able to do for career progression, retention, and overall impact in the workplace. I just love this so much because mentorship is one of those things people always have questions about. And sponsorship and coaching, all of the things that you're that you're focused on, especially as females, feel a little bit elusive or you don't know exactly who to go to to tap into those types of opportunities. So the fact that you've built a technology that can make that more accessible for employees and, and I imagine also for the companies that they work for is is incredible. That's really great. Yeah, I actually found out that gap uh, to mentorship is definitely pronounced for women and underrepresented individuals. I think the stat is around 60% of uh, individuals don't currently have a mentor, despite you know the benefits it can have on your promotion rates, career progression, that representation of underrepresented minorities. So there truly is a gap here. And that's why we're so passionate you know, about really bridging that gap and using technology to help scale it. And, and, and do, you, do you work directly with the companies to make this technology accessible to their employees? Is that how the platform works? Yeah, we um, take a very collaborative approach where, you know, we're working directly with the DEI leaders, the HR leaders, really understanding what's their current state today, really understand their data and understand their goal. What is, uh, you know, what is six months from now or one year from now really look like? And we partner with them, uh, recommend a structure, and then implement it with our technology, you know, to get some of that great impact and progression uh, to start as soon as we can. I'm excited, based on all all you've shared so far, to hear your uh, your perspectives on the future of work. 
And with that, it is time to get fresh. We will dive right in here. And Ashima, if you could share how you would define the future of work. Yeah, so it's something I've been thinking about a lot, um, even before I started Dreamy, right? As an employee, uh, when we were first getting into the pandemic, the first you know question in my mind was, will this be forever? And what does the future look like? I now want to rephrase that term future of work to future of work life integration, because really that's what it's become about. We've been learning that now we've brought our offices into our home space, and we've had to learn how to balance and integrate our life with what we do for eight to nine hours a day. And really that's going to be here to stay, figuring out how we actually interweave you know, our life, our responsibilities, our obligations with what we do at work. Um, and so what the one word I would say to, to describe the future of work truly is flexibility. We're seeing it start now and it's going to only uh, get more flexible as time keeps going on because that is absolutely required uh, to ensure that you know, we can truly um, balance all the different priorities and all the different uh, aspects of our life that integrate well with work. Work-life integration. I, I love the term. We, uh, on the Luna team, often refer to it as work-life harmony, kind of creating mm-hmm. that harmonization. You're hitting the nail on the head that it is future of work life, uh, not just future of work. So maybe we'll have to evolve that as, <laughs> as our podcast evolves. So my next question for you is if, if, if I were to hand you a magic wand right now, what would be one thing you would change or want to see change about work life? Yeah. So uh, I think anyone who is listening to this right now can probably guess what I'm about to say, but it really is more of that equitable access to those resources you need in your career. Right now, if we take, let's take the example of mentorship. Um, That is inherently based on your network and who you know, or maybe organically Uh, running into someone at the office. That's what it looked like pre-COVID, right? uh, Accessing a mentor. And that really is tied to, you know, your social capital, the strength of your social capital. Now, what COVID has shown us is that people are not organically making those connections. It's that much more difficult to build your network. It's that much harder to establish relationships over a Zoom call. So really what I hope for and wish for, and that's what we're working on, is really to break down those barriers Uh, decouple the reliance on social capital um, and career progression and make those opportunities much more equitable for anyone, no matter who they know or being at the right place at the right time. I'm envisioning it right now. That would be incredible to, to, to truly change that and give everybody that equity that they're striving for right now. Absolutely. That's great. So as far as, as, fresh takes go. So we've got freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness. Which of these areas do you see as the most pressing right now as we think about that evolving employer-employee dynamic and the future of work? Yeah, I had to give this one a lot of thought because I think all of these are incredibly important. I do think that today, you know, heading into 2022, we are seeing Uh, some good movement on freedom and empathy. When I was an employee, before I started this business, I even saw those two um, aspects 
starting to grow over time as there was more empathy that we are all humans and just handling life in a global pandemic and that uh, some people have their kids joining the calls. Uh, there was a lot of empathy that was building over time. And I was seeing that in managers as well, um, along with freedom, freedom of location and agency and um, you know what you want to do in your career. We saw that growing. What I think right now, though, is still the most pressing. What a lot of people are struggling with really is happiness. There's you know a growing trend of uh, burnout, uh, employee burnout. We're seeing the great resignation still uh, you know, ride its wave, there's really this trend of, you know, feeling overwhelmed and uh, feeling like we're not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and feeling, you know, unsure and uncertain of what now this year will bring heading into the third year of the pandemic. So I do think happiness is the most pressing area. Um, and as we look you know, towards that employer-employee dynamic, it's a really tricky area uh, to manage um, because some of it can touch upon mental health and really taking care of that mental health of the employees. Sometimes the question will come up, you know, well, are, are, are employers really responsible for addressing mental health of their employees? And I would bring that back to your comment earlier about work-life integration. And when employers address employees as whole people, then they can unlock, I think, this is my personal bias, uh, they can unlock a lot more from them if you're cultivating the space to create that happiness and having empathy for maybe different scenarios people are facing I think you're you're spot on. Your points are excellent about you know happiness right now, and we're also at the start of a new year, so everyone's sort of reflecting on on the new year and what do I want it to be, and was was last year what I had hoped it would be, and so happiness being a priority for sure. I wanted to touch upon you know what you just said um, when the employer recognizes their employees as as humans, right? Uh, that term employee dehumanizes us sometimes. It makes us feel like we have to put on a face or a facade uh, to fit into what this employee standard looks like. But recognizing these employees as as humans who have families and homes and uh, obligations um, and responsibilities, that actually, that provides a lot of relief almost um, and takes off a lot of weight almost of, of a lot of employees' shoulders. I remember feeling that myself when um, mental health conversations were more of a norm. Um, it made me feel more seen and actually more comfortable to disclosing some of that to my manager when things did feel incredibly overwhelming and my happiness was, you know, uh, was being sacrificed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that safety that comes along with having the difficult conversations or just being authentic and bringing your whole self to work for sure can can contribute and maybe even accelerate that path to happiness for the humans at work. Uh, we yeah. won't call them employees. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm with you. There has to be a better term. I don't I don't know if it would be weird if we just called everybody the all the humans on the team. <laughs> uh, I worked for one company where we weren't allowed to say employee. We only said team or team. Oh, manager. interesting. Um, interesting. We'll come so, up with a better term. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have to brainstorm that one. Um, so what, you know, I'm, I'm curious about your perspective on leaders right yeah. now, the, you know, any, any manager out there and that's leading a team, what would you suggest or recommend to them at, as, as a tool to navigate the months ahead? 
Yeah, I do want to preface this, um, I think, with saying that uh, a lot of managers do face a lot of pressure. You know, it's been hard to be a manager uh, in this time, not only just the burnout uh, situation, but also, um, you know, the growing trend of uh, resignations and managers also managing their home life. (laughs) There's been a lot of pressure on managers, but I will say what can be a great tool is really asking their team and really trying to understand from their team, what are their professional goals? Because I'm on a lot of calls with a lot of mentees that are part of our platform. And the one thing that I keep hearing is that my manager doesn't care about my career or my manager doesn't know where I want to go. So I, I hear a lot of trends of teams not feeling seen and heard by their manager, and that can lead to that lack of psychological safety in the workplace um, and that feeling, uh, that lack of inclusion as well. So I would encourage managers to, if you don't, if you haven't already, really try and understand where does your team want to go in their career and really get a good understanding of what you can do to unlock that. And it sounds very simple and obvious, but it's not happening right now. Those conversations are not happening based off the trends we're seeing um, and the data that's coming our way. Unfortunately, I feel like when, when you operate in crisis mode or firefighting mode, the last thing that happens is, or the thing that gets kicked to the bottom of the list is, And so what would you like to do next in your career? Because as a manager, you're like, I just need everybody to do all the work that we have right now. I can't even think about what's happening next week or next month. So it it makes sense just given the environment that everyone's been operating within that, that, that those conversations aren't happening. But I think a great reminder and really good advice about how we can refocus our leadership efforts in a way to, to make people feel, feel heard and seen and feel like there is a way out of the current mode, so to speak. We're now entering year three of crisis mode here. And uh, what gets sacrificed is a lot of that development and that um, inclusion. And the manager is doing their very best, but it is important to remember that, you know, your team members want to go somewhere in their career. And you do have that power to unlock some of those opportunities. There's a lot of great opportunities as a manager that you can give and that you're granted. Um, And it is important to just think about that um, as you're kicking off the new year and kicking off some of those development conversations with your team. Because we have you here, I'm going to give you another little twist on this last question. But like, what, what advice would you have for mentors right now? Yeah, so for mentors specifically, and mentors can take a variety of different roles, right? Uh, Because you have the title of a mentor doesn't mean you necessarily have to be a senior leader or director or reach a certain number of years in your career. Mentor can actually take many different roles. What I would say to mentors is right now, a lot of individuals out there need your help. Uh, So think about how in you can provide that guidance and that mentorship in a way that feels sustainable to you, but still has the impact. Again, there is a huge gap out there of individuals who are just not receiving that support and guidance and that organic uh, connection that they normally would have pre-COVID. Um, so people such as yourself 
who can provide, open a door or be a multiplier or make that introduction, whatever way that feels sustainable for you, just try and take an opportunity to set yourself a goal of perhaps mentoring maybe five people in the year, whatever is sustainable for you. And you'll be amazed of uh, even with just an hour a month, what sort of impact you can make on someone's career. My personal experience is that the the impact you have on others is far less than the impact they have on you. I don't know that the return that you get back when you're really truly helping someone or you see how how you've helped someone achieve a breakthrough is so rewarding. I I personally love being a mentor and often feel like I'm I'm getting more than I'm giving in that relationship. Absolutely. I've actually over the holidays have gotten several emails from mentors that maybe I haven't reached uh, back out to in quite a few months, but they reach out to me saying, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity because I just found out, for example, my mentee finally got that job in engineering that she's been trying so hard for. It made my heart so happy. And I wanted to thank you for that opportunity, really that return uh, that you get from that time that you provide um, is absolutely incredible because you are that person to show them the way, or you are that person to give them that encouragement that they're not receiving from their closest uh, friends or family. It's just an absolutely rewarding experience uh, that can last for a lifetime. So if you aren't a mentor already, find a way to do it. If you are a mentor, reach back out to those mentees and, and check in. I think that's what we're hearing from Ash today. Absolutely. So my final question for you is, what is one company that you admire for their fresh take? Yeah, so there's a few that immediately came to mind, but I do want to give a shout out to the last company that I worked at, which was Zendesk. As soon as COVID hit, I am amazed at how quickly they were able to respond to such a difficult situation with empathy, with simplicity, um, and incredible resourcefulness to provide that freedom and happiness. They actually really did hit upon all of those parts of the acronym. Bravo uh, Zendesk. I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I can't rave enough about the lengths they have gone to make their employees feel safe, to make their employees feel seen um, by taking feedback extremely seriously in town halls to provide that psychological safety and benefits that just truly actually have helped me um, as a person weather through that very difficult, scary time when uh, 2020 first came around. So uh, if anyone is ever interested uh, in learning more, more than happy to share more about my experience, but really Xendas did an excellent job displaying that fresh take. Thank you so much for sharing all of your perspectives today about the future of work. And I, I love the shout out to Zendesk. We'll have to give them a tag when we when we share the podcast. And um, can you tell us the best way to find you? How do we find Dreamy? How do we contact you? Yeah. Uh, so head over to dreamy.io. That's D-R-E-A-M-I.io. You can also send me an email at ashima at dreamy.io. My first name is A-S-H-I-M-A at dreamy.io. I'd love to hear from you, uh, hear what you thought about the podcast and would love to connect. Thank you so much for being here today. Really appreciate the time. 
Thank you so much, Jess. And thanks everyone for listening in. Don't forget to stay fresh.